You are listening to the Maastricht Diplomat. Welcome everyone. You are listening to the Maastricht Diplomat and in this episode we will talk about the political changes taking place in Bulgaria. Enjoy! Hi everyone, my name is Paula, I'm a second year European Studies student and member of the Maastricht Diplomat. Today I will be joined by Professor Elisaveta Radulova and Emily Stefanova to talk about the political events that happened in Bulgaria since 2020. More concretely, we will discuss the Bulgarian protests starting in 2020, as well as the three parliamentary elections in 2021. We will also talk about the aftermath of the elections and the new government in office. The reason why we are doing this podcast about Bulgaria today is that over the past two years there have been significant changes and developments in the Bulgarian society and in politics. Starting in 2020, thousands of people went on the street to protest against or for the previous government. Following this, there have been three parliamentary elections and eventually a new government was formed in November 2021. There's a considerable Bulgarian student community in Maastricht and our aim is to make people outside of Bulgaria aware of the tremendous changes happening in the country on the southeastern margin of Europe, which is part of the European Union, but often a bit neglected in the public discourse and by media, at least in Central and Western Europe. Founded in the 7th century, Bulgaria is one of the oldest states on the European continent. Bulgaria occupies the whole eastern part of the Balkans, its capital is Sofia. It is bordered by Romania to the west, Greece and Turkey to the south, and the Black Sea to the east. Since 2004, Bulgaria is a member of NATO, and in 2007 it also joined the European Union. I'd like to welcome Professor Elisaveta Radulova, who is Associate Professor in the Department of Political Science at the Faculty of Arts and Science at Maastricht University. Her fields of interest focus on governance processes and decision-making, primarily in the European Union. She has done research on EU policymaking, but also on the EU institutions, as her most recently published article on the European Commission's expert groups indicates. Elisaveta, for how long have you been working at Maastricht University? It's going to be almost uh, 20 years now. I started officially in 2003. Joined the faculty back then as a teaching assistant, then I did PhD, I worked afterwards as an assistant professor, since recently I'm also associate professor, so I'm almost part of the furniture these days. As a Bulgarian expert here in the Netherlands, we are honored and privileged to have you here to talk to us about your home country's elections and the current political situation in the country. I'd also like to welcome our second guest here today, Emily Stefanova. She's a Bulgarian student in her second year of European studies at Maastricht University, and she's also head of the marketing team at the United Nations Students Association, UNSA. As a young voter, her unique position to discuss the political climate and previous elections in Bulgaria is something I'm excited to dive into. Emily, as far as I know, you were in Sofia during the protests in summer 2020. That is correct. I was back at home during the time when the protests were initially started. And I remember covering the media articles which were produced back then as I was an intern in the representation office of the European Commission. And the events really unfolded drastically and very dynamically. And I was really excited to see what awaits. We will talk about the protests in more detail in a bit and I'm curious to hear about your experiences a bit more. I'm very happy to have you two as our guests today and your different stages in life and career will give us the opportunity to view things from different points of view. From July 2020 onwards the so-called Bulgarian protests took place. 
Emily, can you explain what these protests were about and how did you experience them? Initially, the protests started after the um, raiding of the president's office by the chief prosecutor. A lot of coverage has been going on at the time of the position of the chief prosecutor and the way that he was selected. Ivan Geshev is his name and he is still in office. This started 200 days of protests in the beginning against this particular instance. Then afterwards, the protests became bigger and bigger and started then comprising even more cities around Bulgaria, but also abroad, where there is a Bulgarian diaspora from the United States to the Netherlands, even in Asia. And the chief purpose of the protest was to stand on civic societal ground and uh, protest for a better future and against the corrupted government. Then, of course, everyone who participated in the go in the protests had their own reason to be there, and my reason to be there at the protests was specifically that I am studying abroad because I cannot get the same quality of an education, unfortunately, at home, and also not have the same life standard that I currently have in the Netherlands. So I protested for a future where I can see myself back in Bulgaria. Elisaveta, what role did former Prime Minister Boyko Borisov and the former government play in this regard? Well, practically the people took to the street because of this government or against this government or various manifestations that have been accumulating through the years. The very concrete reasoning Emily explained, but actually it was a long series of this type of misgovernance episodes that became very visible and very clear, especially, you know, reached a tipping point, I would say, in 2020. It was very clear for the society that this model has to stop, that it is not bringing the country any further, and importantly, that it carries with it features of political, economic, social degradation that very few people kept associating with. The protests ended on the 16th of April in 2021 as the four-year term of Borisov's cabinet has ended and the formal resignation of the third Borisov government has been accepted by the new parliament. The Bulgarian protests were followed by three rounds of parliamentary elections taking place in April, July and November 2021. Elisaveta, why were the political parties participating in the elections not able or maybe also not willing to form a government after the first and second round of elections? Yeah, <laughs> that's a difficult question. But my personal reading of the events basically demonstrate the flip side of the same coin of democratization. So as much as we show a lot of signs of maturity, there are also a lot of centrifugal tendencies demonstrating that the political system is not there yet. Because, just to give some context, the winners on each of these rounds of elections were different. I mean, the sheer fact that there were uh, majorities changing so abruptly in a country in that short period of time basically shows either very divided societies or indeed some form of lack of political maturity. Because What is also important to mention, the winners didn't have a very clear political profile. So to come back to your very concrete question, which was, why was there no possibility to form a government? 
each time the constellation of percentages or shares of the vote was in favor of an actor which was, let's say, not sufficiently into the understanding the political necessities of forming a coalition and how you need to lead such type of negotiations, how you need to make offers or not, and to play the political game. They had very few experiences, very different understanding of politics. And because of that, there was no immediate, clear and pronounced government possibility forming. After no coalition forming was possible after the elections in April, President Radev asked the two entrepreneurs, Kirill Petkov and Asen Vasilev, to take charge of the economy and finance ministry during the caretaker government period. The caretaker government, led by Petkov and Vasilev, enjoyed significant popularity and trust from the Bulgarian citizens. However, both ministers, Petkov and Vasilev, left the caretaker government and founded the new anti-corruption party We Continue the Change, in short PP, with whom they also won the third parliamentary elections. It seems like Petkov and Vasilev were able to mobilize people and let them also believe in politics again. Why did people trust Petkov and Vasilev? That's a very good question indeed. I think that they came into the political scene at a rather favorable for them moment. It was, it is a time where the apathy of the civic society is lacking, which is a new phenomenon in Bulgarian society. And their personal profile, their backgrounds also signify a tremendous change. Both of them have graduated from renowned universities. In comparison, the previous prime minister, Boyko Bogesov, was the former bodyguard of the communist leader. So when it comes down to the normal person who has suffered in the period of 15 years, different levels of povertization, It was a breath of fresh air to see new faces, and perhaps that's why people believed them. Maybe to add to that, I think they booked very quickly policy successes. They spoke in the terms and in the rhetorics that the common person would speak in terms of identification of problems, and they were able to very quickly book some decisive policy measures. So you could really see them being active in realizing real change. So that was a fantastic thing to observe that actually things were moving in a very quick time with an intensive pace. And it gave this feeling of new energy flowing through the system with new rhetorics, with very different appearances. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate also these physical features. So All of this clicked together. It was like perfect package at the perfect timing. And even though GERP, the previous ruling party, has in its name Development for the European Future of Bulgaria, these two people actually showed that Bulgaria can go back into the European stage and actually have a stance in favor of its own people rather than the opposite. That sounds like Vasilev and Petkov could gain trust and support from people by having charisma as well. Would you say that the emergence of the anti-established party, we continue the change PP, symbolizes that there's a new generation that can transform the status quo? 
I so much want to trust that. I really hope so. If there is a seed of change or a place where we should look for it, it's probably there. So in that sense, for sure. But maybe just a step back, the previous elections also had a winner, also anti-establishment, also being supported by a lot of young people, but with a very different profile. So I really think we should realize Bulgaria is a very fragmented society in the sense that there are various groups that position themselves differently with regard to many, many issues. But most importantly, because Emily already outlined it, there is this pro-Western tendencies versus pro-Asian, pro-Russian, pro-conservative. And young people in Bulgaria are also divided along those cleavage lines. So... Not all young people are per se carriers of this progressive, liberal, Western-oriented norms and values. So for me, it's again a positive development. It's certainly a seed of hope, for sure. But we have to relativize it against all the other tendencies that are there in society, even among the young. How would you then say can we interpret these recent developments in Bulgarian society and politics? Some went as far as talking about a revolution. Would you agree on that? For me, that's not a revolutionary uh, moment. I do see it as the next episode or the next decisive step in the process of democratization, in the process of maturation of the political institutions. And I see it important, especially now with the context of the war in Ukraine, an important moment of anchoring Bulgarian society and the Bulgarian political community as divided as it might be into the Western camp. And from that perspective, I'm really happy that exactly this government is now in place because it's a guarantee for these values to, to pertain or at least for the moment to be dominant. After the initial results of the November elections, where the newly founded party PP won the largest share of seats in the National Assembly, Petkov said that he would be willing to partner up with all parties that would join the fight against corruption in Bulgaria and that he would be PP's candidate for prime minister. On the 10th of December, the leaders of the four parties, Democratic Bulgaria, There is Such a People, the Bulgarian Socialist Party, and of course the leaders of PP, confirmed that they have reached a coalition agreement. Shortly after, President Rumin Radev announced that he had given the mandate to form a government to Petkov. On the 12th of December, Petkov presented the composition of the incoming government and it was approved by the National Assembly a day later. Are you satisfied with the election results and also the new government? I think it's important just to, to clarify when you ask the question, are you satisfied with the result? I was particularly satisfied by the fact that it was with a Small percentage, but the upper end was for Prodojavame Promianata, for continuing the change. Because up to the last moment, the surveys were in favor of or showing a larger support for the old government, Sofuboyko Borisov's party, GERP. And this last overwind was really, in a way, nice surprise. Because this meant they would get the first chance, they would get the mandate and the first chance to make a government. And the other very positive observation or event there was the way they conducted the coalition negotiations and the way they came to the coalition agreement. So here comes my more professional look at, at things. They were really ticking all the boxes of what we call good governance principles. Openness, access, all parties or actors played uh, placed at equal footage, access to everybody, 
from external parties, from civil society, journalists, to what is spoken of, everything projected in internet. It shows a radical difference in the way negotiations were conducted and the way the policy agenda was formed, the way the concrete coalition agreement elements were discussed. So at that moment, I thought, finally, now we have people who know how governance is done and are actually able to materialize it, to enact it. I could say that I am satisfied with the election results in terms of PP winning the majority of the votes. And there I see this revolution of actually a change in the way that people are engaged with politics. I could see that people around me started breaking the circle of apathy and actually being engaged in what's happening around them and also seeing that politics actually affects every aspect of their lives in general. And also a lot of people actually entered the National Assembly in the Continue the Change party who are already known for their activism in specific spheres that I personally support, such as the activist movement against home violence, but also the expansion of women's rights, which is something that I am really satisfied to see. After the new government was formed, Petkov said... I'm convinced that after four years, Bulgaria will be a totally different place. What does Petkov mean by saying a totally different place? What kind of reforms is he and the current government planning? I think he made first and foremost exactly these practices of good governance. Of course, he also made very concrete policy initiatives. But I think what he really aimed to suggest there is that we will have transparent, open-ended, accountable clear to the average citizen government policies, choices, and style of operating within public institutions that Bulgaria hasn't seen so far. This was the ambition, and I think still is very much the ambition. The only thing is whether and how easy this is to be enacted and sustained. I think that's the crucial bit there. I think the intentions, the preparation, the starting point of Petkov were very good. But I think he underestimated the complexity. I mean, even without those external crises that we're facing now, it's extremely difficult to run a country. Then he underestimated the coalition oppositions and the internal tendencies that would take place there. And of course, no one could preview these external events. Even though we're not officially engaged in the war, we are informally engaged with it. So these are all very complicating factors. Then the interrelations between different policy domains are much more complex. And I think, and that's another crucial, critical point here, I think him coming predominantly from a business environment, he's underestimating the necessities of working in a democratic decision-making structures. There were a couple of episodes where you really uh, show that, not that he's not sensitive to the context of democratic de decision-making, but he just thought, given the urgency of issues, given the importance of the change that we need to enact, we can kind of skip them or overrule them a bit. Initially, I think most people were tolerable, but now it reaches a stage where it starts to be become 
very much alike the previous government and that's not what the citizens want. Nevertheless, Petkov sticks to great rhetorics and says, for example, what we will govern is not our money, but that of all Bulgarian citizens. Emily, do you believe in what Petkov is saying and do you trust him as a prime minister after all what has been said by Elisaveta? I see his agenda as indeed something which will transform Bulgaria for the better in the future. And after four years, indeed, Bulgaria will not be the same because there will be a higher threshold of how ministers, of how the government should act specifically in favor of the people. And I want to stress that because there is the previous government which had the tendency of not working in the favor of the people. And you could see that. Bulgaria is not a poor country because it's actually poor, it's a poor country because it's stolen from. So I do believe what Petkov says. I also agree with everything that Elisaveta mentioned as possible contingencies. However, I think that this entrepreneurial approach towards governing Bulgaria is really needed to see the difference between now and before and think how we could take into account the lessons of the mistakes that are being done right now, but also of the successes, and actually imagine Bulgaria as a stable and potentially stronger country. Do you still believe in the change? What is the general mood of the Bulgarians right now? There are political and legal limitations that the new government is facing. But from your personal and maybe also professional experience, is the change indeed continuing or is it done with Petkov replacing Borisov as a prime minister? It's hard to judge precisely because of these interfering factors of external nature, of internal coalition formation. My reading is that their style, intentions, what they invest in the governance processes is aiming for long-term, indeed, improvement and change. What I'm more skeptical about is to what extent they will manage because one thing are investments, direction, intentions, and sort of the long-term strategy. I think they have it and it's spot on. That's not the point. The point is how you reach it. That's unfortunately super important in politics as well. And this is where I'm seeing hiccups. But um, agreeing with Emily that we should give them the credit and we should actually help them realize the mistakes or put the mirror so that they can see, okay, how could tomorrow be a difference in terms of approach, in terms of actual activities, in terms of instruments, so that eventually we reach this changed overarching horizon. Indeed, on the one hand, we have the accountability that uh, the people demand from the government coalition. And then on the other, we have the transparency policy that this government actually imposed. It keeps the society engaged. It keeps all eyes on the government. However, I think that the general mood right now is in constant anticipation of what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. In these 100 days, there were indeed 100 crises. And I think that so far we could say that they were handled or they are being handled in the most efficient way if we take the comparative approach with the previous examples. You both talked about challenges, shortcomings, but also mistakes of the new government. Let's talk about a concrete example. Last Thursday, Prime Minister Petkov wrote in a Facebook post, nobody is above the law. What was he referring to? 
He was actually referring to the previous prime minister, Boyko Borisov, the former finance minister, and also the PR of the GERB party. The three of them were detained for 24 hours. However, why was not particularly clear. Yeah. So this is what I mean about the choice of instruments and approach by which you enact change. It looked like this act wasn't truly thought through. At least in the aftermath, the follow-up revelations were that there are no immediate evidence prepared and ready to be released in society. So in a way, the new government had via this avenue its opportunity to draw the attention back or at least put the society to alert about it. But it looked like a, a nuclear weapon by which you try to kill a sparrow. It was something that they could have kept and used for a much more important, also politically moment. In politics, it's also very important, the timing. It was late at night, which was also an additional factor. And then there was no real decisive follow-up, so it wasn't really clear what's the aim of the whole exercise. Not to mention that this is a moment where their communication completely failed. On the surface, doesn't seem like a very thought-through action. So I hope that in the follow-up action, there is enough evidence and all of the coordination is crystal clear, because indeed the Bulgarian society needs to have this scapegoat. They need to see that the previous government is actually punished for their activities, their corrupt, illegal activities that have hampered the development of the country and made nearly two million Bulgarians flee the country. I would put it in even further in terms of political consequences. The Bulgarian society is in desperate need to see justice and rule of law. This principle for which we stand formally in terms of constitution, in terms of political declarations, in terms of joining the European Union, all this normative idea is there. We need to match it. And the political community really desperately wants to see how this principle is manifested and materialized. And that would be, I would say, very important milestone in this process of maturation that I spoke of. So it was indeed, in terms of visual, it was a good sign, but it didn't match sufficiently with all respected matching procedures. We talked about Petkov and the new government using rhetorics. You also talked about miscalculations and the wrong timing. But mm. could we maybe even say that the new government takes media and publicity as a tool or mean to do catch-all politics? I think this could be one of the explanations. There were so many speculations of, of why it happened, why it happened at that moment. One thing is clear, continuing the change uses very well the political communication tools and channels, I actually regard it as a positive, in a very commercial, but in the positive connotation of commercial way, to mobilize support for itself. Actually, the fact that they started from zero and booked such an election victory is amazing from a political marketing perspective. They're very aware of how to play those buttons. I just hope that they have also the nerves and the sustainability because it's not just to play them once and to book a victory. Governance is a long-term process. So you really need to, indeed, in a four-year horizon, do that. 
In preparation for the podcast, I tried to do as much research as possible about politics in Bulgaria. However, media providing more detailed information about the political events in Bulgaria were rather rare, I would say, especially if you're not familiar with the Bulgarian language. After talking about these crucial happenings in Bulgaria, why do you think Bulgaria is often still neglected by the Western European media? Perhaps what the current government could do and I hope we'll do in the future is protect the media environment, protect the journalists, because I remember vividly that during the protests a lot of journalists were detained, mm -hmm. a lot of journalists were beaten up, something that perhaps Western media journalists would not expect when they go to a protest mm -hmm. with their accreditation documents at hand. Journalists by Radio Free Europe were also harassed, I hope to never see such mm. a situation again, specifically in a gathering for ruling party. You basically don't have proper coverage of the political event, decision-making process, you name it. Bulgaria is very often seen as the periphery where things kind of keep going in a well-established pattern and will never probably change that much. I think very often we're seen as this fringe region that is perhaps not going to generate or people are not hopeful on generating much. For our listeners, are there maybe any recommendations from your side for trustworthy and credible media outlets that you could recommend to our listeners to know more about the political situations and happenings going on in Bulgaria? I would definitely recommend the Radio Free Europe and also their uh, news media um, articles simply because they managed to gather a team of all of the objective investigatory journalists who portray the reality in a way that it is, in a very critical evaluation. So if you are looking for a non-Bulgarian <laughs> outlets, I would say Deutsche Welle, for sure. Political, in my view, also covers pretty well when it covers Bulgaria. So that's a crucial aspect. Perhaps the team of the Center for Democracy based in oh, Sofia, yeah. they yeah. constantly engage in different interviews and give a really uh, insightful coverage of what's going on. At this point, I would also like to encourage our listeners to reflect upon their knowledge. Maybe ask yourself, what was new for you? Which information did you miss? And now you know where you could gather that information and knowledge. In our podcast today, we spoke about the change happening in Bulgarian politics and society at the moment. We talked about the Bulgarian protests in 2020 and 2021 and the parliamentary elections that took place last year. Most importantly, we discussed what the new government is promising to the Bulgarian people and how realistic these promises are. It was very interesting and insightful for me as a German student and journalist to talk about these issues with you two Bulgarians. Elisabetta and Emily, thank you for sharing your knowledge and first experience. Let's see if the change indeed continues and what kind of place Bulgaria will be in three years. This episode was written and hosted by Paula. Thank you to Elisaveta Radalova and Emily Stefanova for participating in today's episode. The music was created by Stone Ocean and the audio technicians were Ru and Brendan. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. You've been listening to the Maastricht Diplomat.